Darkcast Network. Welcome to the dark side of podcasts. You can't change what you don't know or understand. Hello and welcome to True Crime Connections. This is where I talk with real people about real shit. My name is Tiffany and I'm your host. With me today is Rihanna Milne. She is a global life love trauma recovery coach, a certified clinical trauma and addictions professional, and a certified mindfulness coach. Not to mention a number one best-selling author and the host of her podcast called Lessons in Life and Love. Hi and welcome. Hi, Tiffany. Thanks for having me here today. Absolutely. These are subjects that I love to talk about. So we are going to cover childhood trauma. Well, yes, we're going to go into how childhood trauma uh, is impacting 100% of us. What are those top 10 childhood traumas? How does that lead to love relationship trauma? Then moving on to when they're severe, how that leads to narcissists and sociopathy. Um, and what is the difference between the sociopath and the psychopath? And then, well, and on a high note, what does the emotionally healthy relationship look like? Love it. When I first came out with this work, identifying childhood trauma in 2015, nobody heard of it. People thought I was making it up. It's not in the DSM-4 back then, which is a psychological manual. However, uh, and I never even heard the terms in my triple masters for psychology, but I had gone through a couple love traumas. And the last one, I had to say, what is it that makes me choose people that break my heart? Why am I, why is my picker off? Like, what is the issue? What is the problem? I couldn't figure it out. And I came up with the quote, you can't change what you don't know or understand. So I went into the deep psychological journals and I was fascinated by what I found. And it's childhood trauma or experiences that lead to our pain and illness actually in adulthood. So Um, First of all, when I did this, I could identify in 2012 the top 10 childhood traumas from all my work. And I was in the schools doing emotionally, um, working with the emotionally upset children. I was in rehab centers for teens and women from the prison system. I worked in a mental health hospital for kids age 5 through 19. So from all my psychology experiences as a therapist, I would bring this information together and said, wow, you know, with all these different ages, populations, cultures, backgrounds, the top 10 traumas keep coming up. So there's actually more of them, but this is what I would talk about because these were the most common. And then in 2021, another researcher said 100% of us have childhood trauma. And that was after the pandemic of COVID that, that impacted us all of us around the world, and especially our children. So let's get into what the top 10 are. And by the way, another fact is it does go through three generations at least. So if you're identifying childhood trauma, your parents have it, your grandparents have it, 
And understanding this information is not about blaming your parents. It's about looking at things with a new understanding. And it's not about feeling guilty, like, oh, I'm ashamed I have these. No, um, because we were just a product of our environment. Childhood trauma is not our faults. So as an adult, the good thing is we have the power to get some help and change and heal this. And that's what my work is as a global life, love, trauma, and mindset coach. Okay, so the top 10 traumas are, um, and these are any experiences both inside and outside of the home. So one is, was there an addiction in your family? So drugs, alcohol, sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater, porn use, gambling, hoarding, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and uh, addicted to the machines, like always on your phone or your computers, and the kids are kind of just left on the side or thrown a computer themselves. This is happening a lot in our world today, just handing kids machines versus uh, real emotional interaction. Um, So that's the first one. Second is uh, verbal messaging. So what kind of words did you hear from your parents? Did you hear the words, I love you? Did you hear, great job, I'm proud of you, and get compliments? Or was nothing good enough, and everything was a put down, or everything made you feel kind of lousy? Or um, when you watched your parents work through an issue, was there always yelling and fighting? Or did you see them sit down and be able to talk things through? These types of verbal messages are really important. Okay, number three is emotional trauma or neglect, emotional abuse or neglect. Number four is any physical abuse, rape, or molestation. Number five is around abandonment, and I named two types, fault and no fault. So a no fault abandonment would be if a parent happens to die early, if they go off to fight the war for their country, or if they're traveling a lot due to their business. And I had a dad that was like that. You know, he was FBI and CIA. We didn't know our dad was James Bond until, you know, we got letters from Ronald Reagan and William Casey, head of the FBI at the time, thanking my father for his many years of service when he had cancer. So I grew up asking, you know, where's dad? When's dad coming home? So it was innocent because that's how he supported the family. But then there's false abandonment, never seeing your child. Seeing your child when the couple's together, if they divorce or break up, you barely see the child. Or it even means when the parent is in the home and there's no emotional connection, meaning they don't go to school events, your sport events, the play. Um, they're just really not emotionally connected at all. They're checked out watching football all weekend, these kinds of things. Okay, so the next one is... Um, if you were adopted part of the foster care system or had to go live in another person's home, even if it's grandma's or your aunt's home, you couldn't be with your parents for some reason. Trauma seven is the one that most people identify with personal trauma. This is remembering you felt different or you were bullied. Um, you could have been, you know, an African American in all Caucasian school or coming out as LGBTQ and your peers and your family did not accept you. It's, um, you know, it could have been a chubby, overweight child and teased for that, or skinny and gawky and smart and called a nerd. It could have been any of these. So most people can identify with this type of experience from school. 
or home. <laughs> Trauma eight is around siblings. Uh, your sibling could have bullied you. Your sibling could have been the golden child, mean the favored one. So they could have been more handsome or beautiful, the better athlete, the smarter student. You were always compared and felt you couldn't measure up. And another one is you could have had a child uh, in the family that had special needs. So they got all your parents' attention and you were kind of just left on the side. All right. Trauma nine has two parts, family and community trauma. So family trauma would be needing to move a lot of times. I know our U.S. military families move every two to four years. So that's hard on the kids. Um, growing up in poverty, growing up in a dangerous neighborhood, even growing up with a lot of lack messages. We can't pay our light bill this week. We don't have money for food. These are lack messages that stay with people a very long time. So it could be also a parent's incarcerated. There's a lot of different reasons for family trauma. And then the partner of that is community trauma because very often it impacts the families. So that could be a Mother Nature event, floods, fires, hurricanes. It could be a mass shooting in the community or at a school. So this one, unfortunately, where it was in place number 11, when I did the list, it wasn't very common. It's one of our top traumas today. And then the last one, number 10, was mental health issues in mom or dad. And I'm part of the baby boomers. I'm in my 60s. And we didn't see our parents go to counseling. So our group kind of has to guess. Um, did you have a parent that had you know, fast trigger anger? Uh, when they were good, they were great. When they were bad, they were horrid. And you never knew what you were going to get. That's a sign of borderline personality disorder. The other one difficult for kids is called bipolar, which means manic depressive. So a lot of people think, oh, a manic phase is high and happy. Well, it could be, but it often leads to a long depression. Let's say a spending spree is a manic phase, and then the bills come in the following month, and you're depressed because you can't pay them. Um, or a gambling spree, same thing. Now you have to find the money to pay off gambling debts. So it's uh, up and a down repetitively, and it's really hard to navigate these things as a child. So those are the top 10 traumas. There are more. And most people can identify with three to six of them. That is what I'm finding the norm. But Tiffany, how many do you feel you had? Oh, yeah. I'm probably at least about five. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So it's very common. Like I said, 100% of us have something. So it's funny when I talk to people and they're like, I didn't have any traumas. I listened to your list. I said, okay, well, let me just go through some questions with you. And they end up with like six of them because- what happens is most people really normalize their childhood. Well, that was just normal, right? Like I had a woman that was hit by a switch, which is a tree branch. And she mentioned that later, but said no to physical abuse. And I said, oh, I said, you were hit that way. That is physical abuse. She goes, oh, no, all the kids in the neighborhood were punished that way. You know, so to her, that was very normal. But according to physical abuse definitions, yes, that is, you know, physical abuse. Um, so that's why a lot of people don't see it. It's very much in the subconscious. And then what happens if these are not healed, people move on and they are attracted to a partner by chemistry, which is, by the way, the worst way to fall in love because it attaches you again, right back to your past and what you grew up with. 
For example, some woman would say, I would never marry an alcoholic. And then she ma- marries someone that has a pot addiction. You know, it's the same type of personality, <laughs> perhaps, as her father, you know, the alcoholic. So, you know, it's it's what the, the brain likes to keep the body in what we call homeostasis. It likes what it knows. Um, whether that's a good or a bad thing, it doesn't decipher that. So chemistry is taking you back to what it knows. And that's why falling in love totally by chemistry is a really bad way to go. And that's why our divorce rate is so high. So let's go into a little bit part two, love trauma, and how does this show up? So some of the ways it does show up, like if there's jealousy and control from your partner, that is trauma number two, hearing a lot of messages, you're not good enough, you'll amount to nothing, and trauma seven. You know, you didn't fit in, you got bullied, you didn't feel good enough. And even though your partner's saying, I love you and doing everything to assure you they're honorable, it doesn't matter. If those deep wounds are super deep, they're going to be jealous and lack trust, and then they're going to try and control you. Another thing a lot of women do is called people pleasing. They can't say no to people. They overdo. This eventually just makes them angry and burn out and resentful. And they use people pleasing to raise their self-esteem or to get love. Where's this come from? This example is, let's say there's a little girl in the family, the mom's an angry alcoholic, borderline, and to please her, she would do everything. She like, get the kids up, feed them, get them off to the school bus, you know, make sure they got the right thing on to wear. She would be like the little mom. And then, you know, when they come to me as a couple, like I had a woman that said, I do everything for my husband and kids. Nobody says thank you. Nobody says I love you. You know, nobody appreciates what I do. And it's because she totally was in people-pleasing mode. And that's how she felt she deserves to get love. And they still weren't giving her the type of love she expected. Okay, another one is perfectionism. Um, everything has to be just so. Now, perfectionism can work well on the job. And a lot of people with trauma, uh, which are my typical clients, are successful in business but struggle in love. They can't figure out, man, I'm killing it in my career. Why can't I get my relationship right? And that's because their emotional childhood trauma wounds have not been healed. So that's where that's coming from. And if they keep nitpicking their partners and their children and nothing's good enough um, and they're never happy, then this is a big lead to divorce. Now, anyone that's had abandonment issue, this can lead to clingingness, codependency, anxiety when your partner is gone, seeking out attention. And very often this is where the cheaters come in. So if we have a man that uh, wanted sex and his wife said, not tonight, hon, I'm tired, but maybe this weekend, you know, and then he takes that as a rejection and he's not good enough. And then he's at a cafe the next day and the waitress is flirting with him. Then he may in- engage in that affair, or try to have something to build his own ego and self-esteem. This is where cheating comes from. If you have good ego and self-esteem and really love who you are as a person, and you're in a relationship, then you are able to honor yourself and your partner. Uh, So anyone that's cheating out there, there's uh, childhood wounds still existing within you. Okay, then there's anger and, you know, addiction can come from that, you know, abusing drugs and alcohol, gambling, cheating, 
eating, hoarding to cover up um, or soothe these wounds that have not been healed. So these are just a few examples of how childhood trauma comes out in your love relationships. But there's actually seven life areas that are impacted by childhood trauma. I believe that. I It yeah. took me until my 30s to realize that I was a product of generational trauma. And then I was yeah. able to see yeah. why I dated abusers because that's what I was used to. Every Monday, join us at It's an Inside Job, your essential podcast for resilience and well-being. Dive deep into the art and science of transforming life's challenges into stepping stones. Learn from personal narratives and expert insights, building your inner strengths from the ground up. Discover that mastering well-being and navigating life's hurdles is indeed an inside job. So tune in, grow, transform. Together, let's make every Monday a milestone in our journey of empowerment. So subscribe to It's an Inside Job, where your path to resilience begins. Exactly. Yeah, that's your norm. We call that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have to break through the unconscious, the subconscious, make you fully consciously aware, teach you what is the emotionally healthy, evolved and conscious relationship. And evolved means two people being their highest and their best selves. And, um, you know, see where other areas that the trauma is impacting in your life in these seven different areas. Some of those areas include physical health, like having irritable bowel syndrome, sleep disorders, eating disorders, poor immune, uh, a shorter lifespan. You know, people who carry stress with them all the time and anxiety and depression have shorter lifespans. Uh, emotional uh, issues like difficulty controlling your emotions, you lash out when you're triggered, uh, trouble recognizing your emotions and limiting coping skills to handle when you're, tr- you're triggered. Um, you're sensitive to uh, any stress or negative conversations. You're always worrying, anxious, um, feeling of hopelessness or helplessness. So that's some of the emotional areas, some of the mental health areas that I'm working with all the time is depression, anxiety, negative self-esteem, low confidence, PTSD, and other areas around trauma. Uh, Of course, relationship issues are like attracting toxic or narcissistic partners, the codependencies, false negative assumptions or expectations of perfection from your partner because you didn't get it as a kid. Um, Attachment problems like you want love, do anything to get love, and then once you get it, you sabotage it. That's a big pattern. And that comes from low trust. (laughs) Yeah, that's a low trust one. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, difficulty forming relationships with your friends. So you have low friends and, um, you know, low uh, success rates in your relationships. So we have to heal this so that you can go on to have this emotionally healthy love. And then some of the behavior things that show up is poor impulse, risk-taking, leading to sometimes illegal activity, sexually acting out. That's a big one for women where they use sex to get love and then they don't get love and then they're disgusted again. You know, so in this perpetual cycle of 
low self-esteem because they think, well, we, we made love. Now he doesn't want to be my boyfriend and he's leaving me. So, but they're using sex to get the boyfriend and the boy will never stay. That's the absolute worst way to get a partner um, and chemistry. <laughs> so, you know, you learn the do's and don'ts of dating here based on research. It's not just a self-help book. You know, it's healing trauma is not a fast, quick fix. And there's a lot of people on the internet saying they're trauma uh, coaches. However, you have to be a licensed mental health counselor, someone licensed in mental health to go on to have this CCTP, which is Certified Clinical Trauma Professional, and I'm at level two, which is the advanced level. So we have all kinds of licensing regulations um, and massive education to heal our clients and, and it's investment in your mental health. So you want to be really careful in who you select to work through trauma healing with. Now, the third part we wanted to talk about, Tiffany, was how do people become a narcissist, sociopath, and psychopath, right? So I, when I work with someone, um, not only do I identify what their traumas are, but then I also realize what the, the levels are based on one to 10, one being low, 10 being the highest. And these folks usually have nine or 10 traumas and their severity levels are at nine or 10. And when I had a husband who did some very impulsive behavior and lost his job. And with that, lost our marriage. And I went in and annulled the marriage, being my own attorney. I stood up for myself and I proved this case using my own research. The judge said to me, Ms. Milne, in 32 years of being a family court judge, I only granted two annulments and slammed the gavel. And he goes, and yours is the second. Did you ever think of being an attorney? And I said, no, thanks. Your oh Honor. I just want my life back. Yeah, I just want my life back and be a counselor and a coach. And, uh, you know, teach others to be careful because that's what led to my research. Because he said to me, my ex, I don't know what's the matter with me. I sabotage everything I love. And I said, I don't know either. And I'm thinking through everything I learned and my triple masters of psych. And I'm like, there's nothing that I have. I have no idea what it is. And that's what led me to the research. So in a way, that was a gift that I went through that. Because of that, it's changing so many lives around the world by teaching them this education. And my poor ex-husband had nine severity levels or 10, grew up in poverty, um, horrible alcoholic father, a lot of verbal abuse, grew up with a lot of lack, docile mother that never stood up for him, you know, uh, toxic coping behaviors. So one thing led to another, and it was so deeply ingrained in him that, you know, he ruined his whole life over it. So, um, you know, this is why it's so important to heal. I do work with both men and women, uh, 16 to 76 straight and LGBTQ+. The cool thing is how I heal my clients. It works for everyone, you know, and I, I learn by doing. Will this help my 75-year-old guy that comes in crying? My fourth wife divorced me. I, I'm going to die alone. What do I do? And it's like, you got to heal your past trauma. And now he's been in a relationship seven years with somebody he really, really loves. And he says, I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life, you know, and- oh, um 
Bob shares his story on one of my podcasts about senior love. And uh, it's really quite a beautiful story. If anybody's interested in hearing that, it's on my YouTube channel under Rihanna Milne. But anyway, uh, let's go on to these categories. Um, in my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve, I describe about 20 different toxic personality types that can break your heart in section one. And basically, they're the top eight most destructive types. And there's very simple, easy to understand uh, language that describes these people so you can recognize them early on. So one is categories under antisocial personality disorder. So that's your sociopath, your psychopath, and your con artist. And I've had both, unfortunately, until I got this uh, information. Um, Section number two is the emotional manipulator. And that's the narcissist, borderline personality, bipolar, and histrionic. Histrionic, I would describe as a female drama queen. She's like the female narcissist. Number three is a habitual liar or the cheater. And number four category is the abuser, any emotional, physical, verbal, sexual, financial abuse. So those are the four categories that are most destructive. And again, 100% of us have childhood trauma. So why do some people get these extreme personalities? Well, again, the level of severity endured as a child because no child is born a sociopath or a psychopath, right? So it, it happens in their childhood. The number of traumas and the repeated severity over a long period of time. And then signs usually start emerging early in life, like oppositional defiance in school, juvenile delinquency, bullying others for power and control, fast temper and anger or yelling back from a young age. These are just some signs that emerge. So if parents are seeing this in their kids, don't think this is a phase and your kids will grow out of it. Get them a trauma recovery coach. And I work online globally. So I work from usually age 16 and up. I would take a 15 year old if, you know, the parents talk to me about that. Um, so the difference is there's 10 types of narcissists. So I'm just going to go into subtype one, which is overt, meaning they use methods that are obvious and open for everybody to see. That I would call one of our top politicians, <laughs> who is a, an extreme narcissist. It's obvious to everyone and everyone can see it. Then there's covert, which is secretive men methods, and they're very cunning. Um, and then there's communal, meaning they're do-gooders. They look for validation through helping others. And that doesn't mean that's a bad person. It just means they're very self-focused and, and doing what their work is. And then other things get neglected. Then a subtype two. Well, let me go into another one. Medlignant, which is toxic. They're highly manipulative and they exploit others for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. And that is basically the definition of a sociopath. Okay, they're always looking to use another person. So this could be a woman who's extremely successful and she marries down. The guy charms her. He's handsome and he's playing the game just to get married to her. So now he has half her estate. He's living this grand lifestyle, the boats, the houses, whatever. Um, he, they usually have a secret life behind their back. So they're very manipulative. And then the classic narcissist.
narcissist is high functioning, they're an exhibitionist or grandiose. And then there's the vulnerable one who is a closet narcissist. They're more introverted and they hate being the center of attention, but they will still use others in a certain way. So um, some signs of the narcissist, so it's clear, is excessive admiration um, and they have a sense of entitlement. They hate the rules. Uh, they're preoccupied with fantasy of power, success, ideal love or beauty. So if a woman marries a narcissist, she can never look good enough, be thin enough, wear the right outfit. He always has something critical to say. It's a very hard partner to be with. They take advantage of others for their own gain. They're very jealous and controlling. They lack empathy towards another person's pain. And they're extremely selfish, materialistic, and only worry about themselves. So that is a sign of a narcissist. Um, you know, there's no empathy there. There's no concern for others. And then the sociopath use people, again, for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. So they're master manipulators and con artists, jealous and controlling. They expect perfectionism in their mates. They're impulsive, prone to several addictions, alcohol, sex, pills, cocaine, um, ruthless. There's no remorse. Don't expect these people to apologize because they won't. That's a true sign of a sociopath. They never say they're sorry. I can look you in the eyes and said that was really wrong. I'm so sorry. That is the sign. They're moody, difficult, and demanding. They lack a conscious. They crave money, status, and power, and they use others to get it. They're very often a loner. They don't really have friends. And if they have a friend, they have people that are subservient to them, and they're usually toxic too. Out in dating world, we call that person a flying monkey. They are actually the servant of the narcissist or sociopath, but they get some kind of love from that guy because he's using them. I've dated him. I've dated a flying monkey. Um, you did? Oh, no. Then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I try to make terms that people can say, oh, my God, I had that, you know, really easy to understand. Uh, poor work history. They're losing their jobs and it's always the boss's fault or someone else's fault. They usually don't get along with coworkers. Uh, they're very demanding and promiscuous sexually. For them, sex equals power. So they get pissed off or moody or won't talk to you for a couple of days if you're not having sex when they want it. Um, you'll see early behavioral problems. And another sign is they go for very fast mar marriage to a wealthy partner. So I've had women say, well, he really loved me. He wanted to marry me within a month. And it's like, okay, that's a red flag. <laughs> you know, It's not that he really loved you. Okay. He didn't have a job and, you know, he's not earning a lot of money and you have this big house he was working on as a contractor and then he schmoozed you and he wanted the big house, you know? So, and when women are not strong in their own self-love and they're craving the attention of men because they never got it as children, this is where that cycle begins. Okay. So when you are emotionally healthy and you have strong self-love, then you're looking for an equal partner, mind, body, spirit, financially, having the same goals in life, also hardworking, successful. That's the type of partner you want. That's the type of partner my clients get. 
That's the type of partner my boyfriend is now, you know, so it's, you know, you know exactly what to look for and you're not going to fall into these horrible patterns. How do people get conned by sociopaths? This is another big question I get. They're really good hearted people who believe in second chances or forgiving. So judges, counselors, teachers are often targeted. Uh, They try to keep the peace in the family. They're often financially dependent sometimes so that they can't leave, but we're the peacemakers. They fell in love with them in the beginning. As a counselor, I always heard, I just want to get the beginning back. Well, in the beginning, you were conned and you didn't see it, and they can't keep up the act anymore. And the research shows these negative traits start showing up from month four to month nine or after a life transition which would be moving in together, uh, getting engaged, getting married, or having a child. Those are the four times where you will see the sociopath, narcissist, manipulator really act out. Hope keeps the partner going. And if you give your predator any kind of hope, they keep going back because they miss the attention from the victim. And the victim is also, like I said, codependent, uh, maybe financially dependent. This manipulator will seek out rescuers, the loyal people, wealthy, uh, those who are spiritual or religious, um, and they have a high tolerance for cheap drama and toxic behavior because they grew up with that. So there's some of the top information. I think it's so interesting because I always said that when you first meet somebody, you don't meet them. You meet their representative. Mm-hmm. And it takes, I always thought like two to three months until the real person starts to kind of creep out because of course, like they can't play this person forever. You'll see signs and then it's a mistake. Oh, we were on vacation. I just drank too much. We were partying, you know, signs will show up, but they usually try and keep themselves covered up for three months. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I was like, oh, look at that. I was right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We call that the 90-day rule. It's actually named, you know, that everybody is, uh, it's the best part of the relationship. But in an emotionally healthy relationship, it is the friendship stage where you're really getting to know someone. So let me go into, this was from page 294 of my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams. And it's 400 pages from my research. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm up to 400 pages. I have to stop. And then I just put the information in my workbooks that my clients get. Those aren't for sale, but anyone can get the love book. Um, So this is just from one page. Um, What is the emotionally healthy relationship? Well, we'll start with the five F's. So the first one is a solid foundation, the ability to trust and have confidence in who you are as as a person individually and in the person that you're dating and you have shared moral values. Super important, the foundation. Second is flexibility. You both are open-minded, you're caring, you're easygoing, understanding, emotionally open, and I don't use the word vulnerable, emotionally open and have empowered communications which allows you to speak your feelings as you're feeling them in a kind and empowered way. So many people say you have to be vulnerable to have love. I don't believe that. You have to be empowered to have love. You have to be confident who you are and you have to have great communication skills, which I teach so that you can get your point across so that the other person will hear you and not be offended. 
it's a it's an art, you know, the art of com- communication. Um, I was a communication major at Penn State, and from this is where I teach my communication skills to my people. Okay, and the third F is fidelity. That means you are honest, loyal, and have integrity. Integrity is huge. It means doing the right things when nobody's looking. And if you both have integrity and loyalty and honesty, you, your relationship will go a long way. You trust each other when you're traveling, whatever you're doing that you have to do. It's easy, it's comfortable, and it's just based in trust. So when you come from childhood trauma where there is low trust on the first two people you're supposed to love and admire, mom and dad, the low trust is there, you often don't trust your partner. The next F is friendship. The best relationships are based in friendship. There's respect, reliability, kindness, and you actually are acting as each other's best friends. Uh, Then the next F is fun. Common interests, hobbies, and shares activities. You really have a good time together. Intimacy. um, That means a balance of love, deep friendship on a daily basis, daily affection, and a fulfilling romance. So holding hands, having kiss, hello, goodbye, a hug, you know, when someone comes through the door, that's daily intimacy. Compromise. You're able to negotiate through your differences. You can apologize easily when you make a mistake. It's not a big deal. And you offer forgiveness when they make a mistake without imposing pain. You talk through what can be different. Um, Negotiation, the ability to compromise is huge. Most people never got those skills. Balanced individuals. Both partners really enjoy healthy self-esteem. They have boundaries. They they are living their purpose in life, usually through their work. And they're grateful for the life that they have and the relationship that they have with you. Uh, They also usually have very good friends that love and adore them. And then spirituality, believe it or not, that was one of the top things for success for a couple, that they each have the same belief and faith in something greater than themselves that provides guidance and demands accountability in being a good person. And as a spiritual person, it's not about going off to a worship service. It's about who you are 24-7. So if you have two people like that, um, you know, you'll last forever. That's the foundation of a great relationship, page 294. Love beyond your dreams. <laughs> yeah. So I think I covered all our top topics. Do you have anything that you wanted to ask me, Tiffany, from any of that? I mean, you hit so many things right on the head. <laughs> like the last few years, I've been working on this myself without even realizing because, again, when I dated, we didn't have these names for them back then. We didn't, I'd never heard of financial abuse. Oh yeah. I didn't know about generational trauma. You know, I didn't know any of this. The narcissist, that wasn't a word. Oh yeah. Me either girl. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> we didn't know it. Yeah. We did not know it. And you can't change what you don't know. That's the point. So when people finally turn to me, it's like, oh, my God, you know, I finally get what's been happening to me. And you can't read enough self-help books. You really need to work with a trauma recovery coach. That's what I am. I'm also a licensed mental health counselor also in Florida. But I work globally as a coach helping people, you know, heal that deep childhood trauma that is leading them to this love trauma. 
because that's where it comes from. The original childhood trauma was never healed. And it, it, it's, uh, I teach mindset, you know, how to be totally consciously aware, how to help yourself emotionally and mentally um, when you are triggered. And my people know within a second or two where it's coming from and how to heal it. You know, so they learn the skills. I describe it as a rainbow. And this is how I felt. I'm at, I don't know what I don't know. And I got a big learning curve and that's going up the hill of the rainbow. And, but I was fine with it because I loved what I was learning. I finally got the answers I needed. It was healing a lot of my stress and anxiety because when you know and you know what to do, now you are empowered and the anxiety was gone and the depression was gone. And, you know, I was empowered if I was challenged with something, whether it was at work or by a person like I had the mental mindset to change my perception about what was going on with me or coming towards me. Um, it also helps you with acceptance. Like my first husband stole 200,000 from my mother. If I was bitter and angry, you know, I would have had a much different life than I have now. It took me 16 years working five jobs to pay that money back. That was the majority of my adulthood but I didn't let it bring me down. I had jobs I loved. I was a model and talent agent for 10 years. I loved that. My kids grew up in the industry. They enjoyed it. I uh, had great friends around me. And then I went into the counseling field and I loved doing that. So, you know, you have to learn to find forgiveness for these th things that were wronged against you. And again, that man never apologized to me, but you know, he's a true sociopath and I get it. He's not going to. Um, you know, and that's, that's how that stuff occurs. So, you know, you do know when you have the sociopath or the narcissist, when you know the definition. So having that clarity and then the ability to move forward to find emotionally healthy love, it's a very empowering and wonderful way to live. You don't live in your past. The past is so behind you. Don't even think about it anymore. Every day I try to work harder and harder on myself because as I started to learn these things, I did notice me doing little things. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're breaking the cycle right now. Like We are not going to continue this. Absolutely not. I actually started a nonprofit and it's called The Crime Connection because I really feel like childhood trauma and generational trauma does affect the criminal world. It affects so much of our lives. And it's so important that people do get the help that they need. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my my website, rihannamilne.com, is a great resource. I have, have the four free love tests. On the homepage, there's the ebook that's free, How to Have the Love You Deserve. Under the book section, the first 60 pages of Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams, my two books. Actually, I have 13 books, but those are part of my curriculum. They're on the book section. And of course, my podcast, I have 120 shows out. And that's on every podcast platform, Lessons in Life and Love. And it's an educational platform. I am an educational coach. You can tell by my podcast interview, I love to teach so that people understand. So that's my method of coaching, like really teaching and working with, as a team with my client. So as they're learning the education and things come up, I can teach by example and say, okay, when that happens, we use this coping skill and this is how you can think about it differently. 
they're like, oh, okay, I see how this is working, you know? So through real life examples in their life or my life or some of my clients' examples, as they go through their course uh, for singles, we call it dating to mating. For couples, it's called relationship rescue. And I help really rebuild these marriages and give people the, a much happier life than they have had in years or ever, as Bob says. <laughs> you know, a lot of the clients are like, I'm the happiest I've ever been. And they use these skills forever. Once you feel like that, you never go backwards. That's the point. And the cool thing about working with um, me, with my credentials and my licenses, my programs are completely tax deductible. Uh, so either under mental health, I do a lot of job coaching. So it could be under business coaching. Now, people have stayed for years in jobs they hate because I grew up with a lack mindset. I have to stay here. I have to have the paycheck. I hate what I do. You know, those kinds of feelings. Um, and they don't have the confidence to do what they really want to do. I do job coaching if that's part of their life. So they're very customized coaching one-on-one -on -one sessions with the people I work with. I love that. Absolutely. But yeah, I appreciate you having me and I'm glad that you find that this was helpful. So nice talking with you and meeting you. Yes, same with you. All right. And that is going to wrap up this episode. Seriously, you guys, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. I think we can all agree that we probably have that one friend that really needs to hear this message. So make sure that you share it with them. If you want to get more of me, hey, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok. And I want to know, has one of my episodes made an impact on you in any way? Like for real, I really want to know. So if so... Go to my website, truecrimeconnections.com, or you can email me, podcast at truecrimeconnections.com. I want to talk to you guys. Come talk to me. Let's do the damn thing. <laughs> Keep finding hope and building strength. Until next time.